This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Welcome back to the All Access Legends podcast, as presented by the National Basketball Retired Players Association, the home of all our NBA and WNBA legends. Doing something a little bit different today for the end of the year. We're just going to do kind of a, an end of the year review. I'll be joined by super producer Bridget. She'll be popping in and out. We're just going to talk about some of our favorite moments uh, interviewing the legends I know I started, I came in episode number 32, and we just finished episode 48, so I've been here for at least that many episodes, and I think one of my favorite parts, one of the things I really enjoy is it's just nice to really check in, you know, with the veterans, with the legends. Like, I really do enjoy asking them, like, how they're doing, what they have going on, and hearing their answer. Right. Again, I started episode 32. That was around August. So as we still are right in the in the thick of the pandemic. So it is nice hearing, you know, people say how they're doing. And because this is something that, you know, their status, their legend status, money, fame, all that can't completely shield you from. It's still affecting people. It's still affecting their families, their lives and all that. So it's nice to hear that they're staying safe and that their family's doing well. It's also nice to check in, I think, and hear that the about the good things that they have going on. Seems like so often we only hear about, you know, when something went wrong with the legend, when they're having some kind of struggles, when they're down on their luck, like any of us. So it's really nice to check in and hear about some of the great work that Nancy Lieberman and her organization are doing or to hear that Muggsy Bowes likes to uh, play golf with Pop Smoke playing in the background or to hear Sean Marion getting on his son about getting out of the pool. Like it, that reminder that, yeah, they're doing well. They yell at their kids. They play golf and listen to music. They're, they're really just like us. So I've really enjoyed that. As I mentioned, going to recap some of my favorite moments. This is in no particular order. Got a few of them, but the first one has got to be from the very first episode. The very first episode I did was with Nancy Lieberman, who we've had a great relationship with. And the best part about that to me was Nancy just casually mentioning that she and Becky Hammond stole Deion Sanders' yacht in Puerto Rico. Just one of those things like you don't you don't hear that sequence of words every day or any day. I've never heard it before. I haven't heard it since. So it was a nice reminder that one, yeah, they they don't live, they live completely different lives as us, but they're still nice and as cool and relaxed and all that, but they don't live the same life as it like at all. That was just a, a nice reminder. You can just casually drop, yeah, we stole Deion Sanders' yacht. And I know that's that's the story that Nancy could tell. I know she she's got billions uh that she couldn't tell. Another memory, 
another good memory I have was the immediate reaction we were able to get when the Milwaukee Bucks protested right after the Jacob Blake shooting. I believe I'm not mistaken. I believe we recorded that day, that afternoon. So it was nice. We had Scott Rochelle in here and it was especially nice to hear Sam Perkins, like the day of the protest. I always love hearing that perspective from inside the locker room, you know, how these kind of things go down, how they're received, you know, amongst your teammates. And what I appreciate, what I appreciate about Sam is he is not a punch puller, does not pull any punches. And when something, you know, emotionally charged like that happens, it's, it's great to, to hear that and know that again, they are legends, you know, retired, been away from the, you know, playing the game for a while, but they're still very much in tune to what's going on, you know, on the court, off the court, around the court. So that was uh, that was definitely a memorable one for me. We had Grant Hill. It was nice talking to to Grant Hill. He had a number of good stories, number of good stories The the two that stick out to me where one, he mentioned a time where he played against Kobe. Somebody, uh, we had a viewer question. I think somebody asked if he had any Kobe memories. And he talked about a time, I think he said it was during the lockout, the 1998 lockout. He went to the UCLA gym like late at night just to like get some work in, get some reps in. Nobody else is in there until he walks in and sees Kobe Bryant there. Of course, Kobe was there. And so they get their workouts in on different sides of the court. They end up playing some one-on-one, which was probably like the best game of one-on-one that there's no proof that ever, like nobody has any footage of that. And he said afterward, they were just kind of talking and it felt like, you know, like playing ball and talking with your friends. And I thought that was, that was memorable to me because even in 98, you know, Kobe, either of those guys probably hadn't hit, you know, the peak of their career, but they were, you know, definitely on their way. So for them to have that kind of, you know, feeling again, it has to be rare just because Kobe's been famous since high school. Grant Hill's been famous since his years at Duke. So for them to get out of the public eye, really just have a a conversation, play some one-on-one. I really enjoyed hearing about that. The second thing for Grant switching lanes a little bit, he had some, he had some very nice artwork behind him when we talked. And so we just got to talking and, Basquiat, the artist uh, Basquiat came up and he mentioned that his father owns one. And Grant said he'd been like looking for one, but he's like, hey, some of these prices are kind of steep. And it was just a reminder, like, listen, man, they really are just like us, right? They really are just like us. Like, Grant, I'm just imagining Grant Hill, like just scrolling the internet and just seeing a price of like, how much? Like, just putting it in his cart. He's like, I'll wait till, you know, I can get 15% off. We, we, we can get that on sale. Uh, that ain't no problem. Our next memory, we had Vernon Maxwell, Mad Max, of course. Mad Max has had a, a longstanding blood feud with this, pretty much the state of Utah and all of its citizens, except for the kids, except for the kids with all the all the bad blood between them mad max said he still wants to come on and throw a camp for the kids in utah he said he he loves the kids he's a father himself you understand and in the next breath he 
told the citizens of Oklahoma City that they can go back to hanging out at Blockbuster or whatever it is, because there's I guess there's not a lot of nightlife options in Oklahoma City, I think is what is what Max was was getting it. So I, I I just enjoy him keeping that up. He strings it out every single time on Twitter and people walk right into it every single time. So love Max, but he, he's for the kids. I don't want it ever to be forgotten. The Mad Max is for the kids. We talked to Adonal Foyle, a former warrior, and the perspective he gave like about how to handle, you know, either being traded or particularly like after a coach gets fired. If you're in a locker room and a coach gets fired, like the dynamic changes completely. And it's something that it happens. We know it happens. And I feel like it's discussed, you know, coach, but how do they move forward? But it's more, I feel like it's more as an organization. What do they need to do as an organization? And I felt that Donald gave us like the perspective inside the locker room, right? Like, what do you have to do? How easy it is for things to unravel. He mentioned something about like when ownership fires a coach, they're pretty much saying they're giving up on that season, but you've got a lot of guys in that locker room, a lot of games left guys who are playing for this contract, next contract guys that have 40, 50 games left. This might be their first year, might be their last year. So it's not necessarily them uh, punting, on their season. So I, I really enjoyed hearing that on the flip side, more in locker room tales. I, I love the in locker room tales. We had the chance to talk to Steven Bardo and he mentioned that he would pick fights with his teammates. He said, if he thought you weren't playing hard, he would threaten you with physical violence. And he said, it was like, Hey, he had a white, you know what I'm saying? He has a family, wife and kids to support. And goes back to some of what Adana was saying, right? Like the organization or other people giving up on the season doesn't mean that the players or that all the players do. And he also mentioned that that's the main reason that <laughs> it keeps him from coaching. So just a, a, a stunning show of self-awareness there. Stephen Bardo knowing is like, yeah, the guys that, that don't give it 100%, we might get into a fist fight. Like we might might just get into a fist fight. I've been going here. I've got a, a few more. I'm going to tag in uh, super producer Bridget because I know she's got some some good memories from even be- from before I was here or me joining and just seeing things behind the scenes. So what, what do you got, Bridget? I, I know you've got some gold. Well, yeah, I mean, it's been... It's been a great year of season one. We started in in April, mid-April, and then you joined our team in in Mm mid-August. But uh, I would say we've come a long way, Um, you know, adding you. And I just think back to the very first episode. Um, It was April 14th, I believe. And we had never broadcasted live before, or at least I had never done that. And we were, we were all, you know, learning as we were going trial by error. And, um, <laughs> Scott Rochelle, our, uh, fearless leader at the NBRPA, he was the host of the episode and Karan Butler, uh, you know, current Miami heat assistant coach 
And um, another one of our fearless leaders as a NBRBA uh, board director, mm-hmm. he was our very first guest. And both of them were really excited. We're in the green room beforehand. Everything's working. You know, we're all excited. We, we are ready to go live. Scott does his intro. Karan pops on. And Karan's like, how you doing, brother? Silence. Absolute silence. And for the next 10 minutes, it's literally Karan going, Scott, can you hear me? Can you hear me, brother? Scott, <laughs> you're muted. You're muted. And he's like, Karan is like pointing at the little microphone mute to help him out. Like icon on the screen, like pointing it out, like you're muted. And then he's like, Scott, turn your microphone on. And I'm not a I'm not a producer. Anybody who knows me in this industry knows I'm I'm on the sports philanthropy side. I I'm on social impact and I just, you know, doing this to, to help the cause. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what do I do? This is clearly like a Scott technology problem, which Tyler, you know all about that. Uh, <laughs> but um, <laughs> so it's it's like going on almost 10 minutes and I have friends texting me like, I can't watch this anymore. This is awful. Like, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm turning this off. And I was like, I got to do something. So I just jumped on and luckily, you know, I, Karan and I have a great working relationship and I was able to ask him some questions while, while Scott figured it out. But, um, you know, a friend of mine who works <laughs> who who works in local news in New Orleans called me and said, if we had dead air during a live broadcast, my producer would have stepped in at 10 seconds or less. They were like, you need to fix this going forward. So, you know, it was it was a great lesson to learn on how we should do, uh, you know, future episodes. But I just think back to that and God bless Quran and his patience while we try hey, to figure that out. But... Minutes. A lot of people probably wouldn't have given it 10 minutes. No, no. But uh, I think, you know, that just goes to show that Quran knew we had something going here and he was going to stick it out as a leader of our organization. And, um, you know, he 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 values our organization and wanted to make this be a priority. But yeah, but Quran's come back. He's he's guest hosted some some episodes. And that's also one of the things, you know, before you came on the team and were the official host, which I love so much, um, you know, you, you bring a whole different dynamic to this show. And it's so fun um, to, to see and hear you interact with the legends. And I think everyone in our family really enjoys having you on the team. But um, Glad to yeah, be of course. But before you, it was kind of this uh, revolving door of guest hosts, let's say. So Karan did a few. Um, Rusha Brown really stepped up on the W side. And she was doing weekly Tuesday episodes with W Legends. Mm. Um, and Scott Rochelle, obviously, was was doing um, some guest hosting. But my guy, one of my favorite coworkers ever in history, Kenny Gasson. Kenny G. Gat came on as um, like a pinch hitter one day. Scott Rochelle was not available. And we we're like, shoot. And I, I text Kenny, like, Kenny, would you, would you do this? Can you interview this person? Tyler, he came on and he was so good. And I just was like, Kenny, I, I, think, th- I think this is your role now. So <laughs> Kenny started P coming our um, – 
our legends live host with uh, the different NBA legends. And, you know, I, a lot, especially a lot of younger viewers, I don't think really know who Gat is or know his, his history in the league, but you know, this is somebody who grew up in North Carolina with uh, Mike, AKA we all know Mike as Michael Jordan. Yeah, he played in the NBA. He coached in the NBA. He's been working with the NBRPA as our, you know, in-house legend before you came on board. Um, but Kenny's Rolodex is like one of the largest in the universe. And so he was really able to step up during the pandemic, especially in those early days where people were just looking for content and especially basketball content because at that point there was no sports being played no so ball, yeah. yeah so it's just he was able to to go in and and text his friends text his old players text um you know he had your guy coach cal was on mm-hmm. and we all learned they they've been friends for 40 years cal met kenny when he was 15 playing football for i think it was like cal's brother or brother-in-law or something and then um Kenny ended up coaching under Cal at the the Nets at some point, but just hearing their stories. And it's like, you don't realize at times the connections these people have, the friendships these people have, how small this industry is. Um, yeah. How long they've had was, those connections. Yes. And it was just really cool to, you know, every week I think back, especially when Chicago was under quarantine, I think I might have quote unquote seen Kenny more than any of my other coworkers because Kenny and I would be broadcasting every week and I would jump on and kind of balance him out. And it was really fun. And it was a period of time that I'll always look back on and really enjoy. Cause like I said, Kenny is one of my favorite coworkers ever and uh, being able to, you know, joke around with him before, during, and after uh, conversations with legends was was really fun. And um, you know, he he really he really helped out the organization and stepped up to the plate. But uh, it was time to pass the torch, and that torch was passed to you, and rightfully so. And it's been so great. But um, one of the things that I think has been a personal victory of 2020 in regards to you, uh, Cheryl, is the first couple episodes, you were just sitting in front of a, a white wall and kind of looked a little prison-ish, kind of looked like you were, you know, um, captive, like you were a captive somewhere. You're being held as a prisoner. And, the newspaper and Yeah, exactly. Like, this is the day. Out. Like, yeah. Um, and I, I just off the cuff I was like, man, we got to get you some like stuff. I was going to send you some like legend stuff, which I I know I admit to all the viewers out there. We will send Tyler more swag and home decor um, in the new year once we're in the office. But uh, then it was like one day you and I pop on. We're in the green room waiting for the legend. I'm like, Cheryl, you've you've got you've got s- some wall art. And, you know, everybody knows what I'm talking about. The good old Kentucky seat in the floor plan. But mm-hmm. I would like to say that I take that as a personal victory. And that is one of my highlights from season one of Legends Live. You know, that's fair. And again, my sister, with the, every time she saw anything, no matter what I was doing, who I was talking to, 
why don't you have anything on your walls? You got to get something on your wall. It looks like you're in jail. Right, 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 right. So she and I both thank you. <laughs> well, that's a, I'm I'm here for the team. I'm nothing but a team player. <laughs> um, and then really quick one, just two other things about the overall show before we get into like specific memories. But one of the things that I love seeing, and it's been happening since we started in April, but I think even more so uh, since you joined the team in August, but I get to see everything in the chat and all of the comments that come in during, during episodes. And um, some of them are wild. Some of them cannot be shared <laughs> with the yeah. public. But one of the things that I love seeing is when it's other legends. Yeah. And so we know that other legends are watching and they're watching live and they're commenting or they're like sharing. Cause I think maybe sometimes they think that the guest it's like they're DMing the guest or something. Um, but I get to see these cute, like these little shout outs or um, just saying, Hey, and then too, it's like, sometimes we'll get, we've gotten what it was like a middle school coach of some guy came in um, mm. one of them, it was, it was one of their college teammates. I think it was Chris Mullen, like his college teammate. It's just, it's so cool. Took him under his wing. Like he spoke exactly. very highly of him, like very cool to his see first that. I think he said that was like his, what he considers his first bet, mm. um, his, this college teammate of his, but that's been really cool to see yeah. that behind the scenes of what's coming in in the chat, what's coming in from the comments and, and who it's from. And I always smile when I see that it's a legend or when I can connect the dots that this is someone from their like early history. Right. Um, and that's really cool. And then the other thing, I just, I don't know. I just have, it, it also just makes me smile every time. But if we get a Southern uh, like a Southern legend, someone with an accent and how they say your name. And I just, it's all Tyler, Tyler. And I I just, it cracks me up. And I just like, I don't think people know, like I literally sit on my couch in my living room during all these broadcasts. And most of the time I'm just cracking up laughing and (laughs) I will get a good chuckle every time someone says, well, Tyler, (laughs) It's one of those things, like, I, as you say it, I hear it, but I guess, like, I'm used to Southern people saying it all, like, that's just the way I'm used to hearing my name said, so it, when I don't hear it like that, if I hear Northern or, I don't know if you any West Coasters, uh, but yeah, no, most, I'm, I'm just used to Tyler, yeah. <laughs> that's just you, <laughs> but I love it, so those are just some overall, you know, just Legends Live tidbits that, from this season one this crazy year of 2020 like they just make me smile and i'll always remember but if you want to get into any specifics i'm happy to share some other favorite moments hit me i got some i know you got a couple uh specific moments uh you go you go first what do you got okay well you brought up grant hill that was great because he was also the first guest for the legends podcast no, so we true. we did a we did a double header with him that day you went straight from Legends Live into the Legends podcast. But one of the stories that I just thought, like, this is what Legends Live is all about. This is where they know they're, they're with their Legends family. They can just tell these stories just like they were 
chilling in the locker room or just chilling in a hotel lobby with their friends. When Grant told the story about Team USA being in the Olympics and how the top scorers of the teams get drug tested automatically if you're a top After scorer. every game. Yeah. Yes. And how Grant said, if you watch back, if, if you look back and watch those games, we were doing like 13 passes before a shot went off because everybody was like hot potato with the basketball. Nobody wanted to take that last just shot. Passing. No one wanted to take the shot. No one wanted to be top scorer. And I'm just like envisioning it in my head. And I was like, oh my God, this is so amazing. And like, this is what Legends Live is all about. These kinds of like Legends confessions or, Absolutely. you know, never heard behind the scenes stories. And, um, I absolutely love that. So I had to throw that in there with the the Grant Hill recap. Um, And then another thing behind the scenes that I don't think people realize is like when we're booking the legends and trying to get them on the show and when, you know, you and I always have a good time in the green room beforehand, just checking in with the people and seeing how things are going. And um, (laughs) I will, I will say it was an anonymous legend. Uh, you and I were really excited for this episode. It was Absolutely. like so timely. It was a trend on social media at the time. He was like a big follow. You and I were so excited. And it's like, where is he? Where is he? He's late, which is understandable. You know, these people yeah. have lives. That, as you said, with Sean Marion, their kids are running around at home. They're yelling at their kids. They're trying to teach their kids school. So it's like, all right, we'll give you a little grace. We're fine. We have patience. But... It's like, okay, where, where is this guy? And I think it's just because you and I were so excited for this, this interview. Yeah. And so I, I, I text, I text the, the legends and I immediately get a response and their response is, who is this? I don't know you. <laughs> <laughs> Always a good text you want to see like 10 minutes after you're supposed to be talking to somebody. It's exactly the text you want to see. And I just remember, you know, you started cracking up laughing. I'm cracking up laughing. And, um, you know, I, you know, luckily the the person ended up realizing who it was. And, you know, it, it total 180 because at the end of that episode, the same legend said, I love this, guys. Call me anytime. And then you and I were joking afterwards, like, yeah, call me anytime. But it'll be like, who is this? I don't know. Yeah, number block. Yeah. <laughs> um. But that that was just that was a and that was a great interview. That that was just like a really funny afternoon. The whole yeah. thing. Um, the other thing that I thought uh, was hilarious, and I actually re-listened to this episode this morning. Um, your guy, Fat Lever, who you and him Fat just man. have such like yeah, you guys just have a an awesome relationship that somehow goes back to Charlotte All Star and mm-hmm. um, we're old friends, man. I, you are, you are. Um, despite what happened in the eighties, it's good to see. Um, water under the bridge. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad you've put it behind you. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, Fat Fat's great, and he's yeah. he's a huge fan of of you of, of our organization and so it was great to get him on legends live and it was it was right when um you know the nuggets were really making a run and he was so proud of that and um he came on early a little early and so it was just him and i talking he's like bridget did you hear what they're calling the nba now and i was like no like i was like what 
He's like, the Nuggets Basketball Association. <laughs> and I was, like, you have to... <laughs> I was like, you have to tell that to Tyler as soon as we go live. <laughs> yeah, we led with that. I also remember uh, I asked, because again, the league was still shut down. And I remember Nikola Jokic was getting close to his triple doubles record. So I asked him, I was like, mm-hmm. how do you feel about that? And he was like, man, I hope the season doesn't start back up. And I was like, that's honesty. <laughs> That's honesty. Fat's like, hey, man, I want to hold my record forever. I can yep. respect that. <laughs> he wants he wants that record. Absolutely. And then the other thing, which it's such a cool thing that we started, um, you know, we really wanted something that was a like kind of like a standard question that you could ask every episode. Right. And you and I toyed around with some other ideas. But then the idea of this Legends playlist, like. Mm. That that was really the one that stuck. And so when you asked him at the end of the episode, like, all right, we're doing this Legends playlist. What's a song that you want to add? And he just starts singing the song he wants to add. And it was at a very high octave. I did not know he had that range. We did not know he had that range. Um, And I will never forget it. And uh, so he he starts singing Ain't Nothing Like the Real Thing. And when he's done, you just go C plus. And he he flipped out. He's like, but Tyler, I'm I'm a B student. You can't give me a C plus. And you're like, okay, A for effort, but a real C plus. And um, you got to keep him humble, man. Keep keep him hungry. Keep him hungry. Yeah. You know, I'll keep them working on on those voice lessons, but mm-hmm. I think that might have been the only time someone has sang on Legends Live. So that's why it stands out to me. We got to get more people singing on here. Like if they say a song, yeah, they say a song for the playlist. I'm like, how does that go? I don't know if I've heard it. Can you sing a couple, a couple bars we in the chorus, get, maybe? Yeah, we might get some uh, undercover rappers coming out of the woodwork. I think we yeah, should hear Chris Mullen rap. I love that. Listen, that's one of my moments when Chris Mullen was talking about like I think he said being in the back of like somebody's van or something, just trying to go find a good pickup game and just hearing the radio and just start. He said he was hearing like these beats I've never heard before. Guys are like talking faster than they've ever talked before. They're rhyming, and he was just like, "Oh my god, what is this I'm hearing?" And mm-hmm. it was rap. It was just the invention of rap, like early '80s New York. And he said, like, he still listens to all that stuff. So I, I can't imagine just like hearing that for the first time. Like what? Like what is like this is awesome. But what am I even hearing right now? Yeah, because he said it, it wasn't on the radio yet. They were yeah. playing it out of like boom boxes they had in the van on like yep. mixtapes. I'm guessing I had to. Yeah, because um, yeah, no CDs yet. They weren't playing that on the radio. No. And um yeah, and then he was saying how like he would come home from playing and like tell all the people in his neighborhood and like in his family, like, you guys don't know what I just heard in this van. I don't believe <laughs> um well while we're on music, ah uh, dude, this was just last week, but um it's it's got it's a top memory for me because it takes a lot to shock me. Um usually it's like okay, these these crazy stories. Yeah, like you said earlier about Nancy and stealing the yacht. Never heard it before. We'll probably never hear it again, but I'm not shocked. Right. It's just like, just okay, right, this, is a, this is a legendary story, let's say. A legendary story. That's that's what we've come to expect. 
Mm-hmm. Kenny Anderson shocked my jaw dropped and I, I messaged you immediately. And all I wrote in all caps was shocked. <laughs> you asked Kenny Anderson, <laughs> you know, exactly. What mm-hmm. I know where this is going. <laughs> you asked Kenny Anderson what he would add to the playlist. And immediately without even a moment's hesitation, Oh, Maroon 5. I love Maroon 5. I've got all the Maroon 5 albums. Play them all the time in the car with my kids. Maroon 5. Maroon 5. And I was just... You got I was listing like, albums. I, like, he was like all in. I was not expecting that at all. And it, it's amazing. Like, it's great because that's one of the things... I'm a music person. I love hearing. And especially when they've got... You know, when they're, they're throwing out, like... They'll go from Motown to R&B to, like, Top 40 to... Mm-hmm. to old school rap and it's just hearing all these ranges and then one guy, I forget who it was but they were like throwing in classical stuff and it's just like okay Charles like, doing some country music yes yeah Charles does like country uh Kenny Anderson not so much um, no, big Maroon 5 guy though from what I hear huge huge Maroon 5's biggest fan maybe absolutely knew. um so th- that was oh my gosh that was something that Huh, I'll always remember that because that one got me. Um, I feel like musically, you, you have to. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say I, I misspoke, so I, I think it's, you, it's fair yeah, for you. Yeah, you yeah, set yeah, the record, yeah, no, yes. set the record straight. I'll, I'll yeah, then I think they're. I'll set the record straight, and then I would like a public apology. But um, we had, uh, you know, when when Cat Mobley was on, mm. I um, you know, for for all the viewers out there, Tyler is really such a professional because not only does he have such a a velvet toned voice, (laughs) but he does his research just like any interviewer should. So he'll do his research on the legends. He'll, uh, you know, navigate what to ask and maybe what not to, unless they bring it up. But I just being the friend I am to you, Trill, I, I will go and I will deep dive on pop culture. You take it a step further. I do. Especially if it has anything to do with like they were on an episode of Below Deck. They were a contestant on The Amazing Race. Like now you're speaking my language. Like let's let's ask these questions. Mm. So Kat Mobley's on and he he really did the Hollywood circuit for a while. Yeah. I was finding Getty pictures of him on like every red carpet. He was hanging out a lot with like the MTV people back in the day. Turns out he's friends with, uh, to, to quote him, ah, Justin and the guys. Yeah. Justin the and the guys is in sync. Yeah, you the know, fellas, the boys. Um, so we found some really hilarious pictures of him coaching InSync used to, I guess, do this charity basketball game where they would get all of these celebrities together. And I think they only did it for a few years back in like the, you know, the 90s heyday of all of that. Mm-hmm. But um, Kat was one of the coaches. And I put it on my little pop culture, like research list. Well, how it was presented to Kat is, oh, Bridget's been begging me to ask you about InSync, blah, blah, blah. Uh, no, that is not how it happened. And for the record, I just have to say to Justin and the boys, I'm sorry, but I was team Backstreet. So I just, I just need, I just needed that to be on the record since you 
Listen, I apologize. I, I messed that one up. So I, I apologize. And I understand how uh, deep you. the divide is between those two groups. So you don't like, you don't want to say that somebody was an in-sync or when they were a BSB or and vice versa. So I, I can wear that. I so apologize. True. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. And I know it was heartfelt. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but something else. Okay. One last memory. And we know this is totally heartfelt. Um, <laughs> Muggsy. Uh, Muggsy's got Muggsy's got like the biggest heart of yeah. probably maybe anyone in the NBA. Yeah. He's got a great energy, man. Like he's just like just seeing him. Like he's just always his natural face is just like smiling wide. Like he's just generally a happy guy. guy. Yeah. Um, you were able to ask him about the stuff he does in the community, and mm-hmm. I mean. Some of it, you know, obviously our, our viewers can go back and listen to that episode. And it was a great episode, but just like a short summary, him and his wife like open up their home and they like this summer, what they had a picnic for, for some um, youth and, you know, him and his wife like cooked all the food. Mm-hmm. And his then I like saw a chef. So this was like home cooked yes. good food too. And they yes. hand cooked the meals, served and the meals. And had like a, yep. a lovely day, like COVID safe and everything, but they had like mm-hmm. a lovely day for these people. And I saw, you know, they just did something for Christmas, making sure that people had gifts and food and, you know, just such a big heart um, from, from Muggsy. But, uh, you know, I always got like, I mean, and I think this is just, you know, our age talking right now, but Space Jam was such a oh, yeah. iconic thing as Absolutely. a kid. So anytime we get someone on with Space Jam stories, like I love it. And I know we never have to ask because the viewers are going to ask. Oh, yeah. um, but uh, the the Space Jam uh, like basketball dome comes up and, um, you know, usually everybody game. talks. Yeah. So usually, usually everybody asks like, what were those games like? Because everybody who was anybody was going in there to, to play basketball with, with Michael and, and the cast of Space Jam. And, but it was cool because Muggsy starts talking about the card games and the Space Jam card games that were happening and just how people are getting killed, killed with these card games. And someone asked, and it was totally unrelated, but Muggsy was able to like connect the dots a viewer asked, which legend would be the most fearsome if, like, they were playing in the bubble right now? Right. And obviously, M- Muggsy just goes, well, Michael Jordan. Because right, not doubt. only yeah. not only would he be killing you on the court, but he would be killing you off the court with all of the bubble card games that he would be having. And you would see him in line for food. You would see him in line. And I was just like, it's very true. Cause like he, he, a double threat, you know, you don't have to worry about playing him on the court. You also have to worry about losing your money to him in cards. And also hearing about it repeatedly. So yeah. Cause you know, yeah. It's one thing I know about Michael Jordan. If it's Dog a deep win, yeah. yeah, he'll take it lightly. He won't hold it personal. He won't bring it back up. If that's one thing I know about uh, Michael Jordan, doesn't take anything personally. Nah. <laughs> Never has. Just not his style. It's really just not his style. But oh, yeah, Muggsy, great, great interview. And I would say all of the interviews you've had since joining the team have just been so great, and I enjoy listening to them and. I know all of our viewers do because I see the numbers of <laughs> the replays and the downloads. But uh, 
you know, it's, it's just really great having you on our on our team. And I think season two is going to be even better, bigger and better. So I'm looking forward to it. And um, yeah, those were just some of my highlights. I know you've got a ton more. I, I do have a few more. Thank you for the, the kind words and all your super producing behind the scenes. Again, feed me. <laughs> tidbits at the top. Like I'll say something and I'll see like a comment uh, in like the private chat and it's like, ask about this and I'll ask about that. And that gets a great story out. So I, I'm thankful for you too. Hey, it's team teamwork makes the dream work. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's see a couple more uh, just favorite memories. I think this one might be my favorite individual story. Just and all the in the the 16 15 16 episodes that I've done and it was from old and polynes because that guy is stories on stories on stories like he he set it up because I, I'd asked something I'd heard that he was like a really good chess player and like he likes to play he'll play players former player he'll play anybody really and so I asked him about that this is how serious old and polynes is he keeps a traveling chess set in his car so if he's just on the road and chess comes up and you know anybody talks trash he hold that thought he'll go to the trail pop the trunk get the chess set whoop you real quick put it back in the car and it came up he said he was playing and apparently paul pierce is a big chess fan we'll have to get him in here to uh confirm or deny and Oda was just saying if Paul Pierce or anybody, he issued an open challenge to anybody at anything, spades, taunt, poker, shooting dice, anything. And so he mentioned the shooting dice. And there was a story <laughs> he told about he took Martin Lawrence's money shooting dice. And he said he wouldn't confirm or deny whether, you know, Martin said shed a few tears. He said this was Martin like house party Martin. Like, I think he said it was even before Martin got his own show. So this is Martin. I don't know how much money he had to be taken, but Olden took it. So I enjoyed that. But my favorite part was him saying that he did to Martin what Isaiah Thomas had did to him his rookie year. He said he walked into I think it was a hotel room and he sees like Isaiah Thomas. He sees Magic Johnson. He sees Probably some more names that <laughs> probably sh shouldn't have been there. So he wouldn't mention, but they're just in this hotel room on the mattress of this bed, shooting dice. I'm just a mat, just five, six, seven, eight, eight, seven foot guys just huddled around a hotel bed, just shooting dice. And he says, Isaiah took his money, took like a lot of his money and old said, he, he said, I'm not too proud to admit I shed some tears. Like he, Isaiah really, really took him out of house and home. And the part I enjoyed was afterwards. He said, Isaiah was counting his money in front of him, just kept bill by bill, just counting it right in front of his face and talking about, you know, you know, you work really hard for this money, right? He's like me. I didn't really work that hard. I just came in and took your money, right? Like I just really worked you for it. I kind of just, you know, pimped you for it. And he's all whole time just counting his money, counting his money. And at the end, he said he gave him the money back, gave him every dollar back. And the lesson was like, listen, you do work hard for this money. Don't be out here just giving it away like that. 
And the way that Olden said he was able to do that to Martin, it's one of the things I, I enjoy because anytime the guys talk about their vets, their OGs, the older heads, whatever you call them, one, those things always stick with them. Two, those guys are just about always like still close to this day. It could be somebody that looked out for them in high school, college, first NBA team, after NBA, whatever. They always keep in touch, great relationships, and they always pay it forward. Always pay it forward, right? He could have he could have took Olden Polynesia's money and he could have gave him that same story and still kept the money, but he didn't do that. So I that I think that's probably my my favorite one. Just imagining Isaiah Thomas and Magic Johnson just laughing maniacally while Olden Polynes is in the corner in tears. Like he just he, he lost his per diem money uh, shooting dice. So that's one of my favorites. A close second. A close second. Came from Desmond Mason. Came from Desmond Mason. And before I tell that, I'll, I'll say I really enjoyed talking to Desmond Mason because we recorded that from his art studio. So it was nice just like in the background, you know, as he's, you know, talking, moving around, you're just getting to see the things that like he's finished, that he's working on, is going to work on. It was nice to just, you know, see him in that element. You know, un- like we understand that they're much more talented than us at basketball. Um, but they're also much more talented at us than other things, right? Like he's like an artist, creates, sells stuff in museums, famous buyers, all that. So I, I enjoyed seeing that side of him. But the story I really enjoyed from him was he said the first time he met Gary Payton, he said he was a rookie. He came in, Gary Payton was in the hot tub. It was fresh off the, I think he said the Olympics. So Gary Payton, you know, he was at practice, but he wasn't practicing because he worked all summer for the Olympics. And he said Gary Payton was in the middle of the hot tub, standing up, drinking orange juice and eating an Egg McMuffin. And so I can just every time I think of Gary Payton from now, I think I'm going to think of him just standing in the middle of a hot tub eating Egg McMuffin, just spilling crumbs. The water is just bubbling the Egg McMuffin crumbs everywhere. And he said this was like an every morning thing. This wasn't a <laughs> like apparently GP loved his, a nice egg McMuffin in a hot tub, which doesn't sound too bad as I think about it. And Desmond mentioned that he he wasn't late to practice, but he said he was the I think he said second to last or maybe the last person to get there. And he's a rookie. So Gary Payton called him out immediately. You know, we're not going to have this guys coming in uh, late and all that. So Gary Payton comes out of the hot tub. Comes out of the sweatsuit, laces up the shoes, starts playing. He's guarding Desmond, and it's getting physical. I know this is hard to believe, but apparently Gary Payton was getting physical defensively and also talking some trash. So I was, I too was surprised to hear that Gary the uh, excuse me Gary the Glove Payton was a trash talker. So that 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 caught me for a loop. So it got a little too physical. A line was crossed. And Desmond said he's ready to, you know, knuckle up. He's ready to go for it. He said Vin Baker goes to break it up. But he said the coaches at the time, uh, Nate McMillan, Dwayne Casey, guys still coaching in the league today, they're in the back yelling, hey, let him fight. Let him go. Like, Listen, the rookie wants to fight GP. GP wants to fight the rookie. Let him go. So they were separated. Cooler heads prevailed. 
And Desmond said he he's sitting in the locker room, you know, kind of hanging his head like, man, I, I, I lost my cool. Right. I, I shouldn't have lost my cool. He said he sees Gary Payton's shoes walk up. But he also he like he pops up because he's like, hey, like you're not going you're not going to catch me slipping. And Gary Payton said, are you like, are you going to fight me, Rook? And Desmond replied, absolutely. And Gary Payton said, like, it was all respect after that. All respect. He said, like, their families got close. Uh, he go hang out like his wife and children go to his house. I remember they got traded to Milwaukee together. He told that story. So that was that was probably number two. Just Gary Payton just eating an egg McMuffin uh, and deciding enough. He, he'd seen enough. He was ready to to go play some ball. Another this probably this might be third. This might be third just because it's been an ongoing thing. People knew about it. It's basically Charles Barkley and 2K. And he ended up upping the ante for Ronnie 2K. Thanks to me, not to brag. But he mentioned, I think he said it was about 10 years ago. They asked him to be in the game. Said they were going to pay him whatever. And Chuck said he would do it. He would, He only wanted one thing. He said he wanted 2K to pay $1 million to the NBRPA for the retired players. They said no. He said fine. But then he said next year they came back and asked him the same thing for the same money. And they got the same answer. Give a million dollars to the retired players and we can make it happen. And 2K wasn't wasn't uh, receptive to that. And I enjoyed that because he talked about like why he asked for the million. It wasn't it wasn't him asking for a million dollars. You know, I'm Charles Barkley. You got to pay me extra if you want me in this game. It was him asking for a million dollars because he wanted to take care of the veterans. Like he said, he wanted to take care of the like the guys that played and retired before him, the guys that really helped pave the way, the guys that didn't get in on some of these contracts that guys are getting now. And that the only reason he's he's 100% right, the reason these guys are getting these contracts now are because the old veterans. So I appreciated, you know, getting to hear him out because we, we've heard for years, you know, Charles Barkley won't be on 2K, Charles Barkley won't be on 2K. And now we hear why. And he's also, again, thanks to me, not to brag, up the ante a little bit. It's been like 10 years. That's that's about a million a year. A little inflation. So hopefully, uh hopefully we can get 2K to 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 play ball, uh get Chuck in the game, it'd be dynamite, get some money to the, the retired players, the ones who really paved the way. That'd be great. And forever I will have like the sound bite. I need to make it like my like my producer tag. If I ever just start producing of just Charles Barkley saying, I'm so glad you brought that up. Thank you, Tyler. I'm so glad you brought that up. See? Thank you, Tyler. I like having that uh, that sound bite. I'm trying to think. I I could Bridget to jump back in. Am I forgetting anything? I feel like uh It was it was a great moment because you did you he he realized it you could like see in his eyes, he just was like, wait a second, it's been a decade. Let's raise it up. And then I remember you're like with your thumb like mm-hmm. going up and I was like, yes. Let's get more money for the legends. Um, Well, also, I have a bone to pick with you about Chuck. Oh, boy. Because this time, you, Troll Withers, had some 
technical difficulties. That doesn't sound like me. No, I did. It doesn't. (laughs) It doesn't. But it happened. Um, And it just it. Why? Why did it have to happen with Charles? I do not know. But um, I just went out. I was cracking up. I thought it was hilarious. You guys both blaming me. Um, When in doubt, point the finger. And, 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 you know, you got the thank you, Tyler. I got the let's blame Bridget. That That's my soundbite from Charles. So thank, thank you, Tyler. <laughs> also a pretty good soundbite, right? <laughs> also, you um, know what I'm saying? But I think like the soundbite, I mean, there are so many, but the one that is also just like you, you were talking about GP and that I will also, anytime I, I hear Gary Payton now, I will think of him in the hot tub. With Absolutely. the egg McMuffin. And with Charles Barkley, with, with Chuck now, it's him sneaking around with Bo Jackson stealing pizzas at Auburn. Oh. What a freaking classic story. Yeah, that was a, another one like Nancy. It's like, yeah, they just cat, you know, it's just me, Becky, and Dion. You mean Becky Hammond and Dion Sanders? Yeah, it's just me and Bo stealing some pizza. You mean like Heisman Trophy? Uh, Two sports star Bo Jackson. Yeah, yeah. He like, just went around stealing pizzas. It's like, wow, we do not live the same life at all. No. But that that, that was just that was another one with Charles that you know was just legendary. Like you can't you can't say mm-hmm. it enough. Legendary stories. Yeah, um, it's one of those, like you only get those stories only from them, but it it's. They have so many, like something particular has to trigger it. That's how you get the the gold out of the guys. Oh, wait. I didn't even think of this, but you just triggered a memory. And it's See? great because it's very timely. So this is our, our year recap. And New Year's is coming up. And uh, <laughs> a viewer asked what one of his favorite memories from like being with the TNT crew was. Mm-hmm. And he, he told us about a prank that uh, the crew pulled on him. They had to work on New Year's and Charles was not happy about that. And how they tried to like make it smooth it over for him was, you know, oh, well, you know, Charles, we've got a New Year's party and just come in and there's going to be a New Year's party and it's going to be great. So Charles is like, oh, I was so excited. You know, (laughs) get ready for this party. And he walks into the studio and I guess like on all of the monitors, no one was in the studio, but all the monitors were showing a pre-recorded New Year's Eve party (laughs) that everyone had like either earlier that day or the night before. And I just was like, what a sad New Year's. Because one, it's sad enough being alone on a new year's but two having to watch the revelry of all of your coworkers and the crew and they had a party without you i just that that would be a visual like i would have loved to see like a slow zoom in on chuck's face at that moment the point he realized it like wait a minute yeah like this isn't a party but um Mm. that saddest new year's probably for for sir charles yeah poor chuck I, how how's he ever going to recover, man? That guy's just—he just can't catch a break. No, really can't. Getting mm. one-word answers. Getting <laughs> been a, been a rough been a rough year for Chuck. Been a been a long year for us all. Twenty uh, twenty, what a year! Whew. boy, oh boy. Uh, yeah. 
I think that was those are I mean there's so many more. I I, I hate that I, I can't tell them all. Like there's Bill Walton talking about Rocky the Fireman, uh BJ Armstrong mentioning like that like when reporters say sources say anonymous sources, that makes like the retired players, ages, whatever, that makes them laugh as much as it makes us laugh. So really enjoyed that. Had a ton of great season one moments. You can catch any replays of those episodes at legendsofbasketball.com slash legends live. All our season one episodes are there. If you go to Apple Music, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, search for Legend Studio. You can hear them all in audio form. So I would like to say thank you to Scott Rochelle, to Aaron Miller, to Super Producer Bridget behind the scenes, to everybody at the NBRPA helping make my, my, my first year with the team successful. Of course, I'd like to say thank you to all the viewers. I, of course, without them, this, this wouldn't still be going. Thank you for watching and retweeting and supporting and jumping in the chat and keeping the conversation going, asking questions. I'm thankful for that. Thankful for you all. Can't wait to, to show you all what we have in store for season two. So I wish you a happy holidays, a happy new year. Just know that we we made it through 2020 somehow. And let's do our best to, to make 2021 the best year yet.